The final parak of this Masechta talks about the purification process of a Mitzayra, somebody who had Saras on his body, and the first couple of Mishnayas talked about the first stage in the purification process, which is when the Mitzayra brings two birds, and together with a Koyen, the Koyen would slaughter one of the birds, and the blood would go into a container of water that came from a spring of water, that flows all year round, and the comb would dip the other bird together with some other items into that blood and water and sprinkle that seven times onto the Mitsuira. And after that, the comb would shave off all of the hair from the head of the Mitsuira using a razor, and then the person would go to the mikveh. He would immerse himself fully in a collection of natural water, after which his level of impurity reduces... However, he is not yet fully pure, and the previous Mishnah ended off by saying that for another seven days, he is still forbidden to have regular marital relations with his wife, and anything that he touches will become Tomei. By Yom on the seventh day after that, he shaves off all of his hair in an identical way to how he did a, the first time, a week ago, even though this time there's presumably far less hair, only that which grew since the previous week. Curious for God of, he would wash his clothes, he would place his clothes into a mikveh in order to purify them. He is touching the clothes, and therefore, since anything that he touches becomes tome, the clothes are tome, so they need to be purified. And Vitoval, he himself goes to the mikveh, after which his impurity reduces yet again. He no longer has the impurity like a sheretz, which is one of the eight animals of the Torah lists as being severe sources of impurity when they die, anything that they touch becomes Tomei, and that was the level of impurity that the Matsura had for the last week. And after this second stage of the purification process, that impurity goes away as well. However, he's not fully pure, just like anybody who goes to the mikveh in order to purify himself until the end of that day... He has the status of a tavul yoim, that means that he went to the mikveh that day, and he is awaiting nightfall. And although he has become purified somewhat, he still has a small degree of impurity, that means that he is forbidden to eat truma, which is the holier sanctified food that only Karnim can eat, and he is forbidden to eat korbanos, the meat of sacrifices. However, the Mishnah says that Eichabah he is allowed to eat maiseshaini, which is a tenth of one's produce, that during certain years he is obligated to bring up to Yerushalayim and eat over there, and it's also forbidden to make this food Tomei. It also has a certain level of sanctity, however less than Truma. And the law is that a Tavul Yoim is allowed to eat Maiseshaini. Hair of Shimshoi, once it gets dark, then Eichel Truma, he is now allowed to eat Truma. His impurity automatically goes down as soon as the nighttime begins, and... Although it has reduced, there is still a small degree of impurity that prevents him from being able to eat truma and from entering into the Beis HaMikdosh. And only once the next day, Hevi Kaparasai, he has brought his sacrifices, his korbanos, in order to atone for his sins, for the reason why he became a Matsaira. Only once he has brought those korbanos the next day, only then, Echbakodshim, may he eat the meat of korbanos. And likewise, only from that point onwards may he enter into the Beis HaMikdosh. Nimtsu, it emerges, Sholish Tahoyes by Matsura. There are three different stages of the Matsura becoming pure. The truth is there are four, but the Mishnah is only counting from the stage that he is a Tavul Yoim, because the first week 
after his first time that he shaved, although his impurity did go down, he still has a very high level of impurity. Anything that he touches becomes Tome. So it's not considered to be that he has been purified. It's considered to be that he is less Tome, as it were. But from the point that he is a Tvul Yoim, and then, so at that point he's allowed to eat my Sashani. Once it gets dark, that's the second level. It becomes permitted to eat Truma, as long as he's a Koyain. And the third level is the next day, once he has bought his Korbanos, then he is fully pure, and he may even eat the meat of Korbanos. The Mishnah adds, Vesholish Tahoris Bayoledes, there are also three different stages like these, with regards to a woman who has given birth. And the truth is, a Zov and a Zova, who is a man and a woman who have a certain impurity that comes as a result of certain substances exiting their body, these are all examples of people who need to bring carbonis at the end of their period of being impure, and only once they have bought those carbonis are they fully pure, and they once again eat the meat of carbonis and enter into the Besamikdash. There are three people that the Torah obligates to shave the hair of their head and their face, and their shaving is a mitzvah, even though in general it's actually forbidden to use a razor on the head on the hair of one's head and beard. In these scenarios, quite the opposite, it was actually an obligation and a mitzvah. The first one is Hanozir. A nozir is somebody who makes a vow and accepts upon himself to be a Nazir that the Torah defines as one who is forbidden to do three things. Firstly, it's forbidden for him to become impure from a dead body. Secondly, it's forbidden for him to consume that which comes out of grapes and having wine, that's all included. And thirdly, it's forbidden for him to cut his hair. And at the end of the period of him being a Nazir, he's obligated to shave off all of the hair of his head. And likewise, if he becomes impure from a dead body in the middle of him being a Nazir, and he is therefore obligated to restart his entire period of Nazirus, he would also need to shave off all of his hair as part of that procedure. Secondly, the Hamatsoira, somebody who had Saras and is being purified, as described over the past couple of Mishnais. And thirdly, the Halavim, the Levim, originally in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Levim began to serve in the Beis Hamikdash, when the Mishkon was first set up, the Torah describes how the Levim were obligated to go through a procedure which involved shaving all of the hair of their head before beginning to serve in the Beis Hamikdash. And this only applied back then when they originally started serving the Beis Hamikdash. It wasn't a mitzvah that applied for all generations. If in any of these three cases they shaved off their hair not using a razor, or if they left over two hairs that they did not shave off, it's considered they haven't done anything and they have not fulfilled the mitzvah of shaving off all of the hair. Mission Hey, when the Torah talks about the process of bringing the two birds and slaughtering one of them and using the other one to sprinkle the blood and the water onto the Metzairah, the Torah talks about the birds as Shtetsiparim, the two birds. Now, birds is in the, in the plural form. So even if the Torah wouldn't have mentioned the word Shte, two birds, we would have known that we're talking about at least two birds. We wouldn't have had a source to say that we're talking about more than two. We know that the plural form is at least two. So in truth, even if the Torah wouldn't have said the word shte, we would have known that the Torah is discussing two birds. If so, the fact that the Torah says the word shteitziparim is seemingly unnecessary. And this extra word teaches us that shteitziparim, the two birds, they're compared to each other, and they are considered to be one pair. One is obligated to bring a pair of two birds. And as such, mitzvosan shavos bamare is a mitzvah. Ideally, they both need to be identical in how they look, over koima and in their height, over domim and in their price. 
Not only that, but they need to be brought together, ideally. However, all of this is what is the ideal. However, even if they are not identical, they're not the same birds, nevertheless, they are valid if they've already been bought. And likewise, if he bought one of the birds today and the other bird the next day, again, they are valid, they can be used together, even though this is not the most ideal way in order to fulfill the mitzvah. What happens if Shochat Achas Mehen, if he slaughtered one of the birds, and then it emerged that this bird was not a free bird from the wild, perhaps it was kept in a, in a cage, the Torah requires that it be a free bird. So if they find out that this is not the right bird, this is something that is necessary, and the bird is considered to be invalid if it is not from the wild. And essentially, this means that the entire designation originally, when they bought this bird, was invalid. It's almost as if they only ever bought one bird, and therefore, once they find out that the bird that they slaughtered was invalid, so he should buy a pair for the second bird that is still alive. And this new bird that he finds, he should slaughter that, because the slaughtering of the other bird that he did was totally invalid, and that bird was never really designated, because it wasn't fit to be designated for this purpose. And so much so that the first bird that they slaughtered, it's permitted to eat it even. Even though it's forbidden in general to benefit from the bird that is used as part of this procedure and it's and it's slaughtered. That's how we learned earlier on that it needs to be buried on the spot. Over here that they found out that this bird wasn't valid at all, that means that it was never designated. It wasn't even part of the procedure. So it's like any bird that has been slaughtered, it's permitted to eat it. Similarly, if Shechata, if they slaughtered this bird, the Nimtzes Trefa, and it emerged that the bird was a Trefa, which means that it had an internal wound that makes it forbidden to eat. It's learned from Psukim that such an animal is also not valid for the purpose of using it as the two birds for the Matsaira. And since this bird was always a Trefa, so when this bird was designated, it was not a valid designation at all. So again, it's like they slaughtered a random bird that wasn't part of the procedure at all, and therefore, he should buy a pair for the second bird that remains, and he should slaughter this new bird, and it's permitted to benefit from the first bird that they slaughtered, because again, that slaughtering is not considered to be at all part of the procedure of the birds of the Metsoya, because it wasn't valid for that purpose. Now, obviously, it's forbidden to eat that animal because it has a internal blemish, which means that it's forbidden to eat it. It's a trefar. However, one can benefit from it. For example, he's able to sell it to a non-Jew and use the money for his own benefit. So far, the Mishnah has talked about a case where the first bird becomes invalid, or really, to be more accurate, it doesn't become invalid, but it emerges that it was always invalid. In that case, they're simply able to buy a second bird, because it's as if they only ever designated one bird, so they still need to designate the second one. However, what happens if they slaughtered the first of the two birds? They are both essentially valid birds, they are coming from the wild, and they are permitted to eat, they haven't got any internal wounds. But, Nishpah the blood from the bird that was slaughtered, spilt, and they are not able to use the blood to add it to the water in order to sprinkle onto the Metzoira. So there's a need to bring another bird and slaughter that other bird. The issue is that the two birds are considered to be a pair. And in this case, the pair was created because the designation of both birds was fully valid because both birds were fit for this purpose. And once they have become a pair, if one of them becomes invalidated, then the second one does too. Thomas Hamishtalachas, the bird that was designated to be sent away, 
after dipping it into the blood and water and sprinkling that onto the Matsuyah. So that bird now needs to be left to die, and they'll need to designate another two new birds and begin the process again. Likewise, if the alive bird that is supposed to be sent away dies before they manage to do so, so that would invalidate the other bird as well, and therefore the blood that they got from the the bird that was slaughtered needs to be spilt, and they need to begin the procedure again using two new birds that they will designate. Earlier on, the mission described that the Koyen takes a number of items and he dips them into the mixture of blood from the bird that was slaughtered with water that came from a natural spring. And he dips that into the mixture and then he sprinkles it seven times onto the Matsuyo's forehead or according to others, onto the Matsuyo's hand. The other substances that he dips into the mixture of blood and water is firstly a stick from a cedar tree, secondly a bundle of hyssop, and thirdly a red thread. And the mission discusses the details of a couple of these items. Mitzvah's eight eres orke amar. There is a mitzvah, ideally the stick that comes from a cedar tree needs to be a amar long, roughly half a meter, v'ovyoi kerevia kerahamita. And its thickness needs to be like the thickness of a quarter of a leg of a bed. So the thickness of the leg of a bed, a quarter of that thickness is the thickness that this stick needs to be. And the way to work this out is echad if you cut the leg of the bed into two, and those two pieces you cut again, in and such that you're left with four pieces, the thickness of each of those four pieces is essentially the thickness that the stick which comes from the cedar tree needs to be. And ideally it should be no thinner than that and no thicker. Continues the mission, it says, the mitzvah involving the hyssop, the second item that needs to be dipped into this mixture of blood and water. When the Torah talks about the hyssop, it's not referring not to the type of hyssop that is called a zavyoin, this grows amongst thorns, and it was used as a cure for certain things. One cannot use a blue hyssop, or a Roman hyssop, a Roman midbori, and not a azov that grows in the desert. Nor can one use any azov which has an accompanying nickname or is called something else other than just azov. Only the substance that is known by people as azov and nothing else added. Only that can be used, that's the implication of the Torah when it talks about Ezoiv without adding on any other description. And the common translation of Ezoiv is indeed Hyssop, however it's not entirely 100% clear that indeed that is the identification of Ezoiv.